0: Hello there, and welcome to Avatar, the podcast. I'm Mr. Greg. Hello. Sorry, I've talked over you. I'm so rude. Oh, you're fine. Oh, gee, I'm so rude. You're so nice.
1: (gasps) You're leading today's episode. That's true. Feel free to talk as much as you want.
0: No, because then now it makes me want to talk less because I'm going to be talking more. (laughs) It's a weird thing. Uh, Hello, everyone. Again, welcome back to the podcast. If you're watching this or listening to this, you know that we're going to be talking about episode Two of the legend of Korra. We do we do have to get a couple things out of the way mm-hmm. before we proceed. Because Acorn and I made a plan and we didn't tell anyone else about the plan. Uh, Not yeah, really?
1: <laughs> Realize that after the fact when everyone's like, wait, what?
0: Yeah, so to clarify a little bit now, since we are going to put be putting in a little more effort into the video side of our podcast and our YouTube page. Here is the timeline in which you should expect new episodes. Mm-hmm. If you are subscribed to youtube.com slash avatar, the podcast, you will notice that YouTube is always going to get the episodes first. And then the following week, they are going to go out to everywhere else. So however you normally listen to the podcast, you can expect to have the episodes there the following week. And it's so much fun to do it too. It's, yeah. awesome. it's a blast. It's a level up. Yeah. You and you can see, see my shirts. The
1: expressions and, and Greg's sense of fashion. Yes, um, he wore a nice button down plaid shirt last time and I was wearing a cool t-shirt.
0: It's a Jasmine dragon t-shirt.
1: Yeah. It's my
0: Iro shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very faded. I wear it quite often and I love it. It's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's the first thing to get out of the way. That's what's gonna happen. YouTube first, Spotify next. Spotify.
1: Consider yourself informed.
0: Yes. Um, I'm favoring Spotify now and wherever you get it because Spotify released some new features. And I didn't know this. I don't think Rob knew this. If he knew this, he's keeping it a secret. So I would be surprised. We would be surprised. So thank you, Rob, I guess. They added two new ways for you to interact with not just our podcast, but I think any podcast, really. There is a Q&A section. And there is a poll, believe it or not. So right now, if you're listening to this episode right when it came out, there should be a poll on the first episode. And we're asking you, do you think Cora is a jock?
1: <laughs> Everyone probably had a very um, strong reaction when we had that conversation in last, <laughs> last week's episode. So before you, you proceed any, any further, <laughs> pause. YouTube video, or the podcast episode. Go over to Spotify, sign in, and make sure you answer the poll.
0: Yes, please. Uh, I will tell you what the results are right now. I don't expect them to shift drastically.
1: I'm seeing Uh, a trend. I think we're we're pretty locked in with our answer to
0: the poll. If this changes, it would be a huge upset. It
1: would be shocking.
0: Right now, with 82.5% of the votes... You're all saying, yes, she definitely is, Greg. What are you thinking by disagreeing with that?
1: Of course, she's a jock. Of yes. course, she plays sports. Yes. <laughs> she's a jock.
0: <laughs> I'm happy to say that I'm wrong. And I'm happy to say that after this episode, my opinion has changed.
1: It's kind of hard to ignore the yeah. jock qualities after this episode. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you, everyone, who's been contributing to the polls. The Q&A was news to me. They, Spotify just was like, hey, what do you think of the show as like a to get things rolling and yeah. there was four or five comments just waiting for us to approve so thank you everyone for doing that what i think we'll do uh we're we're shortening the review section for now we're only going to be reading two reviews
1: yeah we're gonna kind of tighten up
0: tighten up just tighten up a little bit but i think what we'll probably do is we might going forward uh, sprinkle in a couple of the comments here or there from spotify i think is only fair.
1: Agreed. Shout out to Spotify for just pulling out out these really cool features out of nowhere.
0: I'm so... It's something new for me to chat.
1: Yes. There you go. Oh, man. I'm
0: I'm obsessed with (laughs) it. I'm so obsessed. But if you want to still leave that five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, please do so. That is the best way to help out the podcast uh, without spending any money. Telling your friends, leaving a five-star written review. We... Really appreciate that every, everyone that talks about our show, whether you do so it, within a whisper in your own home, or if you scream it off the top of a balcony or, or b- yeah. balcony, balcony, or mm-hmm. if you, I don't know, any anyway, anytime you show up to streams, you show up to my streams or acorn streams now. Like
1: I know. So here's a funny story. I started mm-hmm. streaming again. Yes. And there was a viewer who used to watch me back in the day. This is like six years ago. He showed up again, was like, "Hey, how are you? How's life?" And then said, "Oh yeah, by the way, I started listening to this podcast called Avatar the Podcast." And wait, and went, "Wait, I know this voice." So he found the podcast after being one of my viewers back in the day. And so he was like, uh, "A, it's great to see you again. B, good podcast, love it. <laughs> C, <awesome>. how's life?" <laughs> so it was, it was so fun. But yeah, uh, like Rex said, that is the easiest way for you to support us. Um, basically, feed the algorithms, you mm-hmm. know, with your views mm-hmm. and your interaction, mm-hmm. wherever wherever you find our podcast. Much appreciated.
0: Agreed. Uh, speaking of reviews, yes. let's, let's read the two right now. And I think I started last time. So I think it's only fair that you start this time.
1: Sure. Our first review comes from DeadSniper19, who is a dear friend of the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: DeadSniper writes, the best podcast with about a dozen or more exclamation points. They go on to say, Hi, Acorn and Greg. I just wanted to say this is my favorite podcast of all time. I re-listen every few months because I love it so much. I love the way you do a deep dive on every episode that most people don't do for Avatar The Last Airbender. I also have some puns for Greg, even though they just make me angry Mm -hmm. and they are all suky or sucky.
0: Mm -hmm. That was a little bit of a stretch, but I appreciate
1: the effort. Iroh, this might seem like an overreaction, but if I hear one more pun, I may go crazy. Those are those all were, A+. Plus. Those were good. Those were good. <laughs> those are the best I could come, come up with.
0: A++++. plus 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 plus.
1: <laughs> My top five characters are Sokka in the number one spot, Iroh in number two, followed by Cabbage Merchant, May, then Suki. Also, check out Greg on Twitch.tv/BoosterGreg at 8 p.m. Eastern Mondays and Fridays. Definitely not Wednesdays. Definitely not. He is. He has a very handsome mod, by the way. Lol.
0: It's true. true. I only um, hire the most handsome and dapper of mods. I'll have mm-hmm. everyone know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Sniper may be one of them. May or may not be one of them. <laughs> Can I confirm? Uh, Dead Sniper, thank you so much for leaving that review. I read that on my stream and it embarrassed him greatly. So I'm happy we get to read it again. (laughs) Incredible. Mm -hmm. The next and final review for the evening is from AnimeFan123123. Now, we did read one of their reviews in the past, but they updated it quite a bit. uh, So we're going to go ahead and... Read it again. Hi, Greg and Acorn. I'm writing a new review. The last review I wrote, I was 10 or 11. I don't know, laugh out loud. I'm now 13. You guys, Ow. I know. Can you believe that?
1: Okay, uh, I'm sorry. I had to pause you there. But before we started recording, Greg and I were talking about how his daughter is two now. Mm-hmm. And I thought back and went, oh my God, we started this podcast in June of 2020?
0: May, I think. Was it May? May? It might have been May. Maybe.
1: Twenty, Yeah, maybe. maybe. Was it 2021 or 2020? Basically, we've been doing this for over two years. Yes. And that's wild. So Absolutely. having a, a listener, like anime fan, age up a couple years is, again, also wild. Uh,
0: you guys have helped me so much. I had, uh, I had been moving 12 hours from all my friends in a different state. In my last review, I said I was going to be a voice actor. That didn't end up happening. But I do model for other clothing brands now. I started, cool. yeah, I started softball after doing dance for nine plus years. I love you guys so much and I have new favorites. My top five are Ang, Toph, Sokka, Katara, and Zuko. Uh, I stopped listening to you guys for a month because I was listening to episodes over and over again. Fair. Aww. Still am right now. Thank you, Acorn and Greg. I love you guys so much. You guys are like my aunt and uncle.
1: no. Yeah, that's cute.
0: That's adorable. I'm going to probably cry. <laughs> uh, if, if I wasn't going to cry now, I'm probably oh, going to no. cry after this. I lost my uncle last year and hadn't talked to him for about a, one to two years before that. So I've completely lost what he sounds like. Greg, you're my uncle now. Oh, no. And, and Acorn, Acorn, you're like an aunt to me just because LMAO and then Heart I'll Hands. Yep. <laughs> Thank you guys so much again. Yeah, I know. That's,
1: that's precious. Thank you so much, anime fan. I sometimes Thank forget you. that we have such young listeners. I, I still remember the email that we got from, I think, England.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the writer was, I think, 10 years old, 9 years old, just yeah. saying, like, I love your podcast. I listen all the time. Just so nice.
0: I remember the one review we got where it was a grandmother who says that she listens to the podcast with her grandchildren. And I thought that that was really sweet too. Yeah.
1: So wholesome.
0: All right. Well, without further ado, thank you everyone again for, I'm so sorry, leaving these wonderful reviews. We super appreciate it. Uh, Leave it at your leisure. If you like, if you want us to read it, obviously, because if you don't write it, we can't read it. That's how the written language works. We've been over Mm -hmm. this, right? (laughs) We're a new series, a new leaf. (laughs) Because oh, this is episode, this nice. is book one, episode two, A Leaf in the Wind, or as we like to call it,
1: Cora is a jock.
0: That's right. Cora is a jock. I was wrong. a <laughs> was right. This episode was written by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Canetsco and was directed by Joaquin Dos Santos and Kihun Ryu. I'm sure I butchered that. I'm so sorry. Cora is reading about pro bending and desires to see it with like all of her might. She really wants to watch a match. But Tenzin refuses, calling the sport a mockery of the noble tradition of bending. Even though Cora has wanted to see pro-bending since she was a kid, Tenzin reminds her that she's in Republic City to complete her airbending training and asks her to stay on the island. And I say ask, but it's more like a you're staying on the island.
1: Yeah, Tenzin's really exuding that like uh, stuffy guardian energy <laughs> here. She's like, hey, Tenzin, let's go catch some games. Let's go down to the baseball field, in this case, pro-bending arena, (laughs) and watch some games together. And he's like, no, your studies.
0: Cora remarks about how the sentries of the Order of the White Lotus are only around to ensure she she stays on task. Cora eventually agrees to stay on the island, but as she looks across the water at Republic City, we get a funny feeling that she's probably going to change her mind later.
1: What a funny feeling. There's a
0: lot of like, I've noticed this in this episode, there's like a lot of, by a lot of it being maybe two moments where they just looking across the water. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty, it's pretty interesting device to use. I wonder if it's going to keep on happening. I'm going
1: to talk about that at the end of the episode. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Later that day, Tenzin and Korra walk to the airbending temple, or sorry, the airbending training grounds. And Korra is dressed in traditional air nomad clothing, which I thought was really nice of her.
1: But at the same time, she rolls up the the shirt sleeves.
0: She does. (laughs) Because she's a jock. She's a jock. got a show off her muscles.
1: Exactly. She has great muscles, by the way. I'm obsessed with her arms. So strong.
0: Cora admits that she doesn't understand why she can't airbend since all of the other elements came so easily to her. Tenzin assures her that everything is all right and explains that. Often the element that is most difficult to master for an avatar is the one that is most opposite to that avatar's personality.
1: And what was it for Aang?
0: It was earthbending.
1: As we saw in Bitter Work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. It does kind of make sense that the more this episode goes on, for me anyways, that Korra has such a difficulty with airbending because we, we talked about this on episode one. She's a lot like Toph. Very yes. stubborn, very headstrong. So she can't really envision kind of going with the flow. Mm hmm. But also, this is where I get a little nitpicky because also water bending is pretty go with the flow and she's got that down really good. So it's like
1: I think what they're stacking it up to be is the more spiritual side in addition to going with the flow. It's that that dynamic that she's not really grasping. But yeah, no, that's a good critique because as we see in this episode, she does eventually, it does click for her and she does go with the flow finally. But arguably you you do have to go with the flow in waterbending too.
0: In the training area, Jinora, Iki, and Milo are eager to see the Avatar start her training as an airbender. Korra will begin with a fundamental tool in teaching the aspects of airbending. Janora explains that Korra needs to weave her way through the gates to the other side without touching them. And Iki adds that the gates will be spinning as she moves to the other side. Mm-hmm. Tenzin starts the. I call them fans. They're not really fans, though.
1: Yeah, they're more like panels. Panels, I guess. gates, uh-huh.
0: whatever. Tenzin gets them in motion and sends a single leaf through the mechanism. It effortlessly moves through the spinning gates it's really it's, the animation on this is really good i really enjoyed watching it
1: yes it is gorgeous i mean mm-hmm. also if you're listening to this podcast you probably have seen the episode but each panel is exquisitely carved with imagery of the air nomadic culture and they're all spinning and yeah the leaf just drifts through it it's beautiful
0: the key is to be like the leaf he says Jenora demonstrates the spiral movements mentioned by her father and makes it to the other side. And
1: if we remember the spiral foot dance that we see Jenora do here, it's based on Bagua, which is the martial art that airbending was based on.
0: I love the, the consistency of it. Like it just, yes. it looks like airbending. It is airbending. They're not deviating from that because it's a new animated series. They're keeping to their, uh, their groundwork
1: which is the the benefit of basing stuff in your story on real life things. Mm-hmm. So we see that time and time again in the world of Avatar. Um, events are based on historical events. Cultures are based on existing cultures. And then with the bending, each one is based on a different style. So it's almost like a, like a grounding mechanism or an anchor for the storytelling because you can always just lean back into something that you've established previously because you have the examples
0: for it. So, Cora gives it a shot and she actually tries to just charge her way through at first.
1: She like revs herself up and is like, okay, let's do this and just like takes off <laughs> into the panels.
0: Oh, the best detail about this is she goes in, she gets knocked around every which way, and then she uh-huh. gets spit out at the entrance. Yes, it's almost <laughs> insulting.
1: Uh huh, could try. Yep. She
0: tries again. And fails just as spectacularly, unable to apply the words of Tenzin's children to her movements while in the moment.
1: Mm -hmm. She was not the leaf.
0: Mm -mm. Not even close. She was a stone. She she was a pinball, is what she was.
1: (laughs) She was a pinball.
0: That night, Cora tries to airbend at a newspaper image of Lin Beifong, but fails and firebends at it in frustration. After telling Naga that she just might not be a fit to airbend, Korra hears a radio broadcast of a pro-bending match nearby where the guards were excitedly listening. Tenzin shuts off the radio, and it's like at the worst possible time, too. It's like r- things are getting good, and Tenzin shows up. Nope, Killjoy. Because he discovers Korra listening in from the roof. She was literally sitting on top of the roof, eavesdropping, like super into yeah. it, and
1: it was a great little detail with the animation because he walks in and the guards whip around at Tenzin, and he's like, "Korra, come down from the roof." And she pokes her head over, and the <laughs> guards look at her, then like jump away. <laughs> <laughs> so they were so absorbed, they didn't even realize Tenzin had arrived or that Korra was listening. Yeah.
0: After arguing about the semantics of listening versus watching a pro bending match, Tenzin gets flustered and basically tells Korra to go to bed. Yep. Go to your room. Basically, the, yeah. the next morning, Tenzin leads a meditation session with Cora and his children. Cora states she thinks she's doing it wrong, but Tenzin replies that there is nothing to do and tells her to simply let her mind and spirit be free. Cora laughs as her mentor emphasizes freedom, despite forbidding her to leave the mm-hmm. island or even listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. Tenzin tells her to copy Milo though Cora points out that he's actually asleep. With Korra still frustrated at her lack of progress, Tenzin assures the Avatar that everything will sink in over time, though Korra is unconvinced and leaves to get some lychee juice instead.
1: So this is where the commentary comes in. Um, This time around, I think, Greg, you did not watch the commentary, right? Correct. Yes. Cool. So we're switching off. Yes. Last week... You cover the commentary. This week, I'm going to cover the commentary. Mm-hmm. So in this commentary, we had the voice actors for Cora and for Mako joining Mike and Brian. And oh. they were, so it's Janet, uh, Varney, and then David.
0: Well, don't step on my toes here.
1: That's why I'm cueing you, David.
0: Fostino, since we're yes. here, I'm just going to okay. tell you that he is from Married with Children. As Bud Bundy, the, the kid, like the main one of the main characters. Uh-huh. Modern Family as Tater. Dragons Race to the Edge, which I've never heard of, but he's done a bunch of episodes of that as Dagger. And The Winx Club, which I've heard of, never seen, as Helia.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, they were on the uh, the commentary with Mike and Brian, and at this point... They were actually talking about how they oftentimes find, oftentimes find voice actors that have traits of the character's personalities, and that's why they're good at that character. The first example they gave was actually the voice actor for Milo, because uh, mm-hmm. they were like, he, the kid kind of embodies the Milo energy, so he's he's good at it. And when they got to this part, uh, Janet was saying that she heavily related to Cor in this episode because she also has a hard time meditating, and she prefers to be on the go. The most calm she feels is when she's active. So I thought that was really funny that not only does she love Cora and really like take pride in being a voice actor, actress for her. Um, she also very much is like Cora in yeah. the physical ways.
0: Uh, I remember I forgot to mention it last episode, but Janet had said typically when she auditions, she tries not to get her hopes up and tries not to envision herself in the role. And just like, just in case he get let down, because it's, you know, it's a hard industry to get into. Yeah. And uh, she couldn't help but do that for Cora. So she was ecstatic when she got the call.
1: Yep. Later in the commentary, she actually likened it to winning the lottery. She was so excited. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's nice. Hey, guess what? What? Later that night, Cora sneaks off the island.
1: Wow. It's like we knew she was going to do that. We
0: knew it was going to happen this whole time. And she makes her way to the pro-bending arena. She wanders into a training gym, but is discovered by its owner, Toza, who threatens to take her to security for trespassing. A pro-bender walks in and states that Korra is with him. and's it's a very handsome dev in there. You know, like, uh, maybe a little awkward. And so is their exchange... Because there are some implications of them maybe being, like, together, together, and just together, and Mm -hmm. Toza just can't be bothered with the rest of it, so he resumes his workout.
1: Mike and Brian did mention that Toza was actually going to have more of a a story involved with his character. They seemed to have a lot of fun with character creation for Korra, Mm
0: -hmm. and they
1: were sad that they could only do so much with him. Sad. I really right like now them. he's the gruff and we'll find out benevolent gym owner because yeah. he gave Mako and uh, Bolin a place to stay.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, this is one of those things that I spoiled for myself because I really uh-huh. wanted to know if Toza came back and he doesn't. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So I think Mike and Brian agree. He was a great character and they wish they could have done more with him.
0: Cora thanks the Pro Bender for the cover story as they make their way to a balcony overlooking the battle arena. Cora is awestruck at the view. The athlete introduced himself as Bolin, as his brother, Mako, walks in and tells the Earthbender to get Korra out of the locker room.
1: He's like, get get your fans out <laughs> of here. Quit doing this. Your,
0: I think there's an implication that Bolin brings a lot of ladies up yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, Bolin thinks there is something special about her and tries to introduce them. But Mako ignores Korra almost completely and tells Bolin to get ready for their match.
1: Yeah. Completely brushes her off.
0: Toza, for those interested, is voiced by George Coe, who plays Archer, or sorry, who plays Woodhouse in the show Archer. He was in uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon as Wheeljack, uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars as T-Wat-Ka. Hmm. He's on Curb Your Enthusiasm, West Wing, and Star Trek The Next Generation as Chancellor Durkin. I've never seen Ah. Star Trek Next Generation, but Rob told me that's my nerd blind spot. So now whenever I see anything Star Trek in there, I just say it.
1: Yes. Gotcha.
0: (laughs) Bolin is voiced by PJ Byrne. Mm -hmm. He's been in quite a few things that I've seen and quite a few things that I want to see. So he's in the new Shazam Fury of the Gods movie. I've not seen that yet, but he's in there. Uh, The Boys as Adam Bork. He was, um, if anyone's seen The Boys, he was basically the J.J. Abrams ish director who was making the um the movie of oh, the, yes. uh, the, the Seven. Oh,
1: uh-huh. That was him.
0: Uh, he was in Black Knight, Black Lightning as Principal Mike Lowry, Justice League Action as Firestorm, and he was also in the movie The Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And Mako, we already went over as David Faustino. Go back 30 seconds if you want to hear more about him. Can you imagine if someone's just stuck in an infinite loop of going back? If... <laughs> this is where we learn about the fire ferrets. They're basically the Mighty Ducks, it seems like. Yeah. They have they have a huge following, too. The match begins, but it doesn't look good for the team as they lose round one almost immediately. And Mako is left alone in the game against a full team in the final round. Mako, who is obviously quite gifted, manages to take out the opposing team one by one. It's awesome. A beauty to see, like the yes. animation on it, the strategy in it. It was just all very, very nice. Mm-hmm. After the match, Bolin lets us know that they only need to win one more in order to get into the championship, which is a big deal. Especially
1: for underdogs. I
0: know. Yeah. Although I... I Really wish we got to see like the whole beginning story because that's my favorite part of the underdog tale is like the beginning and they don't have their act together and all that. Yeah. While Bolin and Korra celebrate their victory, Mako and Hasuk, who's the fire ferrets waterbender, butt heads. And it seems like they butt heads quite often based off of this exchange. Korra tries to praise Mako, but he remains annoyed that she Mm -hmm. is around then, agrees to show an eager core of the basics, but he isn't quite sure how his earthbending will translate to core's waterbending because he knows she's a waterbender because of her water tribe clothing. Mm-hmm. And Cora says, that's not a problem. I'm also an earthbender.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that exchange actually, because she's like, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm an earthbender. And he's like, Oh, sorry to assume. <laughs> um, and, in- And she's like, he's like, you're a water tribe gal. So like, I I assumed you were a waterbender. And she's Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, no, I am. I'm a waterbender and an earthbender. And I'm also a firebender. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm
0: confused. Mako puts (laughs) two and two together very quickly though. And Bolin is stunned. Mako says something along the lines of, you're the avatar and I'm an idiot.
1: Yep. And she's Mm -hmm. like, you're right in both ways. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So Bolin kind of shows Korra a thing or two in the gym. And they're whipping some very familiar but smaller looking earth coins into a net. Mm. Bolin's impressed by her yeah. immediate knack of getting this. However, he states that she is too flat-footed and needs to be on her toes, dig in, and then strike. Cora's second attempt proves more successful, causing Bolin to state that she is a natural Mako remains unimpressed and retires for the evening. And it is revealed that the brothers live upstairs in the arena's attic.
1: Mm -hmm. Because the underdog story where they don't have their act together is off screen when they first found Toza and Toza gave them a place to stay and gave them a place to train and all of that. So we're just jumping ahead in the story. Good guy, Toza. Yeah. Good guy, Toza. I actually liked the scene here because um, historically we've seen, for instance, Aang, learn bending, And so much of it was rooted in like the horse stance and standing your ground and being, you know, firm and strong and connected to the earth. And now with the new times and pro-bending, you're seeing more of this like mixed martial arts kind of, a, kind of look. So you have to be light on your toes. You have to be uh, quick and fluid. You have to bob and weave. And so I thought this was kind of like a thematic shift out of the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, bending-wise. And into Mm -hmm. Republic City and Korra with this new style. And I also like how Korra likens it to, it's like, it's a whole new style. I've never seen this before. Yeah, It's a cool evolution.
0: I still have the same complaint that I had when I first watched the series, though. Which is what? Pro-bending just looks too modern to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, interestingly enough, I learned in the the commentary, too, that the idea of pro-bending came before Korra. So interesting. Yeah, before Cora was even developed, before they had characters or anything, Mike and Brian were thinking about how would bending look and function in a peaceful world. And they actually took inspiration from the incredible popularity of like pro wrestling and boxing in the US at the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. So they, they are pulling from history in that sense, but this was I think established before we even had Cora the yeah. show being written.
0: That like also kind of sits weird with me too that in- information. Because they didn't really know the timeline, they didn't know Cora, but they still were like, "This, there's going to be the idea of pro bending," and they're pulling from very modern sources.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the pro bending as a concept was for this time period in the world, or if it was just in general. Like, I mean, thinking back to like the gladiators, like the the Greek games or whatever. Um, there's always been fighting and challenges for fun, but I, I see what you're saying. It is it is a very big. Tonal shift to go from bending in the middle of the the country against benders of, you know, opposite styles to being on a team where everyone's represented and you're like duking it out in an arena.
0: I think part of it, too, is that we basically got pro wrestling in Avatar The Last Airbender, which is a very modern sport, right? But they still made it feel like it fit in well in that time period. Mm-hmm. And this one just doesn't have that same cohesiveness for me personally. I
1: wonder what it is that would shift it for us. Cause I see what you're saying. And I want to say that was my, my very first uh, takeaway when I first watched Cora. something felt a little off and I, I likened it to the fact that it was very modern, but yeah. I don't know. I, like what kind of tweak could they have made to make it feel more, um, less modern and more in world. I don't know.
0: I wonder if it's the radio. It's. I think it's the radio in the matching uniforms. You think so? The sport itself feels very modern, too. It doesn't feel like yeah. an older, like pro wrestling, I guess, did, too. But still, they somehow managed to fit that in. Because that's also mm-hmm. more about the acting and the, and the drama behind it than just the sport. Yeah. I, I can't put my finger on it. I've been trying to since I knew we were starting Cora. I was trying to in this episode. I bet you I'll do it in three years. It'll just come to me at five a.m. and I'll wake up in a cold sweat. And uh-huh. if if we have if we have enough, we have enough uh, Avatar content at that point and we're still doing this show, then I will let we everyone know callback. in five
1: years. Yes, we'll just do a callback. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Remember that one time.
0: <laughs> Remember that in episode two. Remember, yeah, okay, yeah.
1: You know, I wonder. Here's here's another thought. When they were talking about this topic in the commentary, Brian did mention that he came up with the rules for pro bending mm. after he spent hours watching various forms of fighting and martial arts in South Korea. Mm. So he said the story goes they were in South Korea making the Avatar: The Last Airbender pilot. Uh, He would come home from the studio and just there would be, I guess, a channel or channels that just had endless fights, different martial arts, wrestling, boxing, and he just would spend hours watching that. So he thinks that that's where um, either the inspiration for pro bending or even just the rule set for pro bending came from.
0: Interesting. That's really cool to know.
1: And similarly, they said that the entire Avatar world came to Brian when he was doing yoga, just in a spark of inspiration.
0: Are you sure he wasn't sleeping?
1: That's how he tells the story, (laughs) at least.
0: (laughs) Actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That he did that while meditating or doing yoga rather, which I guess is meditating. Is that the same thing? They can inflate it know. too
1: in their uh, conversation. Okay. It does kind of go hand in hand.
0: Okay. I've never done either. My ADHD That's, prevents that me would ex- from that would explain that. doing anything standing still. Uh-huh. Back at the Air Temple Island, Cora's airbending training is still not going so well. After her frustration boils over, she destroys the training gates, which are a 2,000-year-old hysterical. Historical treasure.
1: That really bothered me. Yeah. And I had to do some reflecting and figure out why that bothered me so much. Before getting into Korra, we were talking about how we had some issues with the the show. And we were interested in coming back to it after reading the comics and getting like more context and this and that. I'm remembering the way I felt going into Korra. And my perspective has changed because I'm seeing now that we're going from a very physical avatar who needs to learn their spiritual side as a story from uh, a very spiritual avatar needing to learn the physical side of bending. So we are flipping the narrative here. However, at the same time, when she loses her temper and basically explodes this ancient relic, I got really mad at her. <laughs> and I had to think about it. And I was like, you know what? I think what got me is that that one comic we read, Relics.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: how Aang was just so reverent about all of his his air nomad relics having been saved and Mm -hmm. it like relating to this hope that there might be other air nomads out in the world hiding and he just needs to go find them. And it ended up being a trap by the the Fire Lord and this and that. So I'm like, I'm looking at her just destroying this this relic going, what are you doing? Oh my God. Aang would be turning over in his grave right now. It's
0: also a brilliant way to establish a a firm difference between the two avatars as well. Like not just yes. having Cora struggle with airbending, but also being like, she doesn't share the same um, reverence or love or nostalgia for a 2000 year old historical treasure.
1: That's a great point. I think that's really, yeah, that's what does it. That really shows the difference there. Yeah.
0: Tenzin does not take too kindly to this. What is wrong with you? He yells and loses his temper for a moment. And Korra yells that none of this is sinking in like he said it would. And Tenzin takes a moment and softens his stance. He basically snaps into his mother and then snaps out of it. He turns into the (laughs) guitar for a moment and then Uh comes back to, you know, gets, becomes who he envisions his father to be or maybe who he was in his adult life. We still don't know. And tells Korra that this is something that cannot be forced Cora angrily yells that maybe the problem is that Tenzin is a poor teacher and storms off. Yeah, you're a terrible teacher, daddy! Milo (laughs) yells with a goofy (laughs) smile and kicks the burnt and splintered pieces of the relic around while Iki and Jinora comfortingly hug their father. Oh my god. I love Milo. I
1: know. I knew you would. I knew you would love Milo.
0: And his look is just perfect. He's just like... His head is oddly shaped and feel like he's missing some teeth. I don't know if he is or not, but I feel like he is. If he's not, he's deaf. He's going to be the new Boomy when he gets old. Oh, absolutely. He could also be a character in Rugrats. His head shape is that of Tommy Pickles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. At sunset, Pema serves dinner To her family. Tenzin reveals that he is growing increasingly frustrated with Korra, but his wife says that he just needs to give Korra some space. Tenzin asks his kids to promise that they will not be like this when they're teenagers, and Janora will make no such promises.
1: I love Janora. You love Milo. I love Janora.
0: I also very much enjoy (laughs) Janora. She takes a moment, she goes, I make no promises. And like, unemotional.
1: While she's reading at the dinner table. (laughs) I was that kid.
0: (laughs) Cora returns to the pro-bending arena and finds out Hasuk has not shown up for the match, which will force the fire ferrets to be disqualified if a replacement is not found. Cora offers to fill in, but Maka refuses, saying he would rather forfeit than look like a fool. Cora tells a referee that the team is in. And Bolin agrees.
1: I do appreciate how confident Cora is um, because someone like Mako continually putting her down does not phase her. She just does what she wants to do and takes what she wants.
0: I put this out here. I don't remember if, if this is considered the referee or not, the guy who's like the official, but I'm going to say this right here right now. Uh, there's a referee who's voiced by Tom Kenny. And for anyone who doesn't know, Tom Kenny is the voice of SpongeBob. He does a bunch of different voices as well, but you will know him as SpongeBob SquarePants. Fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, they did talk about him. Um, I don't remember if they named him by name, but they said the person who did the referee voice is just incredible. The way that he can just spit off a, a script perfectly in all these different voices, they said is just like really
0: impressive. Yeah, Tom Kenny is a very impressive voice actor. Unfortunately, like I just pitch hold him into SpongeBob because he's been that forever. Like
1: fifteen years or yeah. something crazy. Yeah, something like ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So I mean uh-huh. he's making good money. I don't think he's complaining too much about But that, yeah. especially he probably has that anonymity too, right? Like he walks down the street and not not many people are like, hey, you're Tom Kenny. That's the brilliance and the the secret perk of voice acting.
1: You have a secret identity. Mm
0: -hmm. The match begins and Cora quickly waterbends a member of the opposing team out of the ring. She's given a one zone penalty as she can only knock benders out from the back of the ring. She admits it and the match resumes but earns herself another one when her foot crosses into zone one, sending her back to zone three.
1: You know, I was thinking about this. Yes. She's said she's always wanted to see a pro match. So she's historically only ever listened to matches on the radio. Mm-hmm. And that would explain why she doesn't realize the ring thing yeah they're knocked off the back of the ring not off the sides she wouldn't necessarily know that after listening to the game and not actually being able to see it for herself
0: i have another i would agree with that i have another theory as well yeah what's that i don't think she loves the game as much as she might love maybe the attention from the game
1: like in what way
0: I think she likes the fame that goes with it. I think that she's probably daydreamed a lot about being a pro mm. bender and winning the championship match without maybe fully listening to the game on the radio, perhaps like a
1: jock winning.
0: Like a, exactly, <laughs> like
1: a jock daydreaming about winning the exactly. what, what is what is football, national cup, the Super Bowl, whatever the Super Bowl, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, basically. If uh-huh. if you're a
0: hockey fan, the Stanley Cup.
1: Right? Yeah. That's okay. It.
0: If you're a soccer slash football fan, I mean, like you know, European UK football, uh-huh. uh, the World Cup.
1: There we go. There's those are all. The cup. Those,
0: those are all the sports I know. I know no, no I more sports I don't balls. I
1: follow. Yeah, I don't follow sports ball, Sorry. Me neither. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm not opposed to the occasional story about the underdog going, you know, the mm-hmm. distance, but. Uh, I can't watch the actual sport. I fall asleep every time. Yep. The platypus bears win round one and start round two with a flurry of attacks on Korra. She stops an attack with earth bending, confusing the official. The radio announcer learns that she is the avatar much to the audience's shock. The broadcast is heard by Tenzin and he gets really angry. Mhm. The referee states that Korra may continue in the match only if she solely uses water bending, which I think is fair. After the match resumes, she is quickly knocked out of the ring by a barrage of attacks. They basically like, "Oh, she's the avatar. Get her out immediately," which is a great <laughs> yeah. strategy. When uh-huh. she emerges from the water, she discovers Tenzin waiting for her and demands that she return with him. Korra refuses, believing that she does not need airbending, which leads to an argument with Tenzin stating that the Avatar must learn all the elements. Mm. I feel like this is a lesson that we learned in the comics.
1: That it's more about bending?
0: I think it's just tradition. Sometimes you got to break tradition. The, oh, the traditional yeah. thing is the avatar knows all four elements. And like right. an, an avatar has the capacity for all four elements. And yeah, she probably sure, should learn airbending. But the way he says it, he's very rigid and stern in, in mm-hmm. this decision. And he's not really willing to hear her out. And it very much reminds me of kind of like an old school versus new school kind of mentality of. Yeah, the, absolutely. The, you know, I'm I'm probably not articulating it that well. But is there something just very like. He's a brick wall, even though he's like a, a master airbender. And she's the mm-hmm. one trying to be fluid with the concept of the Avatar and he won't have it.
1: Yeah. Well, also, he grew up basically holding the whole air nomad culture on his shoulders. That's also true. So he's, he's very much focused on tradition and culture and reverence and all the things we've talked about so far. And she's just like, listen, dude, it's not working. And I'm focused on this right now.
0: Also kind of interesting to think about the air acolytes do during this. Like,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: like T- Tenzin feels the sole responsibility as being the son of the former avatar and mm-hmm. the I guess second generation airbender I get like it's not putting basically. it right, but basically kind of right, yeah, but there's so many other people around him that learn directly from his father as well, and he's, I think, unnecessarily keeping this responsibility for himself. I think it gives him well, purpose, even... it gives him um some pride. But I don't think he needs to, like, stress himself out as much as he, he is at the moment. He
1: doesn't need to, but he does. He does I mean, yeah. he even said in the last episode that he didn't want to teach Korra because he was so focused on his father's legacy. And yeah. then realized that Korra is his father's legacy. Korra yeah. is
0: his father, technically. I
1: mean, technically. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little thing, too. Did you notice during this this part, he basically, like, said, you know, you flagrantly disobeyed me and blah, blah, blah. Um, I could only hear Mufasa...
0: Oh no! And you
1: deliberately disobeyed me.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> from the Lion King, yeah. that that
1: little voice line has lived in my head for the past however many years. Ever since yeah. I first saw that movie,
0: uh, Cora responds to Tenzin's disappointment, let's just call it, by stating that she needs to learn modern fighting. This is like how she's going to become the Avatar, how she's going to get it. This prompts Tenzin to retort that bending is not all physical. Remember air bending. The spiritual part that you don't have down, Korra. Yeah, this this is what you're ignoring. Mm -hmm. After this, Korra returns to the match, leaving a furious Tenzin behind.
1: Yeah. Him being like, listen, being the Avatar isn't all about fighting. When are you going to learn that? That's basically Korra's arc. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, mm-hmm. in a foreshadowing statement. So that's going to be her arc for the whole show. Mm-hmm. Being the Avatar isn't all about fighting.
0: The platypus bears take round two and dominate round three as well. Mako and Bolin are cornered and Korra is pushed to the edge of zone three. However, at that moment, Korra begins to dodge the platypus bears attacks by employing defensive maneuvers that are similar to the airbending movements. Which catches Tenzin's attention. She started
1: circle walking.
0: Like it was an actual airbender doing it.
1: Switch flipped somewhere.
0: Yeah. And it's technically not cheating because she's not airbending, but she's using Uh airbending maneuvers, which is a very Zuko thing to do.
1: And a very Iroh thing to do. It's
0: very true as well, yeah. The platypus bears exhaust themselves and the fire ferrets still energetic overwhelm them and score knockout. Tenzin is briefly excited by their victory, but catches himself and, uh, well, collects himself. (laughs) It's Uh like, this is not proper. (laughs) He is so his mother. Yes. It's scary. I love it. (laughs) Yes,
1: He's so Katara, but he tries to be Aang instead. It's so funny.
0: I think he tries to be Aang, but he also, like, I catch this, like, if you were to have only met Iroh, A handful Mm -hmm. of times and he wasn't goofy Iroh that's who Tenzin is trying to be yep Tenzin is is that wise sage mentor who is regal and composed at all times and self-important and you know Mm -hmm. he just goes on and on and on Uh, but he doesn't want to accept that other side of him which is what Iroh has fully embraced and same with Boomy, right and yeah
1: and what was as a kid.
0: It's very interesting. I I find that duality and um, Tenzin's unwillingness to accept that very intriguing. And and, uh, full disclosure, I did not enjoy this episode that much. Uh, But this thread right here is kind of keeping me engaged. So I hope they continue to explore this, even if Mm -hmm. it's subtly. And I also know that eventually that his brother and sister show up, and I'm very excited
1: about that, too. Me, too.
0: Because of their win, the Fire Ferrets have advanced to the championship tournament. Mako is finally impressed with Korra, but she refuses his credit, saying she was taught these moves by someone else. Korra returns to the island, where the training gates are being reset by the Air Acolytes. She spots 10s Denz- <laughs> You're shaking your head.
1: <laughs> You're so angry. I'm still mad about that. <laughs> I saw them replacing... The, the panels going, well, there's the only other existing set of those things. Cora, you better not burn these down.
0: So Cora apologizes for burning down a 2000 year old national treasure. Uh, saying uh-huh. she was frustrated with herself and took it out on him. And the gates. Tenzin <laughs> yeah, okay, also, mostly the gates. <laughs> Tenzin also, also says he owes an apology to Cora for having lost his patience while trying to teach her some. And there are no hard feelings between the two of them. He does note how impressive. Rest he was with watching her move in the match and how she's moving like an airbender. Cora says her good nights and adds as she's walking away that, hey, by the way, I joined the Fire Ferrets permanently, so I'm going <laughs> to be there next week. Yep. And Tenzin just takes a deep breath. <laughs> as night falls over Republic City, Mako looks out towards Air Temple Island with a little maybe glint in his eye and Cora, in turn laser eyes upon the pro bending arena excited to be a part of the fire ferrets.
1: So the way that you phrase that may answer my question, mm-hmm. but they were talking about this in the commentary, making comments of like, Oh, I hope they end up together. haha ha. And like them gazing across at each other without really looking at each other. Do you think that was intentional at the time? Them, the yes. creator like setting up the romance of Cora and Mako.
0: I, I think that this is just my theory. Yeah. I think that they wanted Zutara, but like the next generation Zutara. Thank
1: you. Okay. Okay. Yes. I didn't even mention that until now, but as soon as Mako turned around in the, in the, uh, what's the word? Oh my God. I'm like, I can't speak right now.
0: <laughs> <He's> so excited. <laughs> about that's it.
1: exactly my thought uh, in the locker room. The second Mako turned around and spoke, I'm like, Zuko reduxed.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, he's, he's Zuko, Zuko without <laughs> the scar. He's Zuko without the stuff that makes him interesting, in my opinion.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so far, we don't have <laughs> so much reason to like Mako other than he's very good at pro bending. Yes. We don't know much about his backstory, his personality, and like we're not attached to him yet. But yeah, he very much has the Zuko energy, and Korra definitely has the uh, Katara 2.0 energy. And I do feel like it was, it was kind of like a Zutara 2.0 attempt. Yes, I definitely got that that vibe. In complete honesty, I think even the first time I watched this show, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it felt rehashed. It didn't feel brand new to me. And as like unique and interesting as the world of Avatar had been up until that point, not to say it's not going to grow on me or that it's bad at at all because I do feel like there's a lot of Zutara fans in the world that have, felt gypped forever Mm -hmm. uh, and feel like they want their Zutara time to shine. So, I mean, for that reason, I get it. But also me as a, me as an individual viewer, I was like, "Mm."
0: yeah, knowing a little bit of trivia as well. We have not talked about this. The legend of Korra doesn't have the same benefits that Avatar, the last airbender had. And by that, I mean, Brake was basically like, all right, we have one season. We have one arc. We're good That's to right. go. And then yes. season two was like, all right, we got season two. We're good to go. And then they got three. And then I think after three, they knew they were getting four. So we are going to try to keep that in mind as well.
1: That's a very good reminder. I mm-hmm. think
0: this is actually counting against them for me personally, because if they knew the the big story of it, they could like tease. Oh, look, it's Zutara 2.0. And then eventually like, This is going to be a spoiler if anyone's not seeing it, but it's all over the internet. Mako is not going to be her love interest.
1: That was another thing that bothered me. I'm like, why are you setting up a romance when I know who she's going to end up with? And it's so much better.
0: If that was a larger picture decision, I'd like that they're like, hey, look at this right here. And then we see the evolution of this relationship, let's call it.
1: Agreed. Yeah, because I mean, that's also very um, reminiscent of of human life, you know? you perform and think you're one way and then you learn about yourself and mm-hmm. you learn about what you really want out of life. And then you go in that direction instead. Yeah, Like that's very real. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wish that there would have been more of a connection between them other than he's a jerk and she likes his bending and she's kind of like a tar and he's kind of like Zuko.
0: I don't even think that <laughs> she's interested in him as much that way.
1: And that's why I like the way that you describe this yeah. ending because she is looking at the pro-bending arena like, oh my gosh, I I'm I'm a pro-bender now and mm-hmm. I get to be on the Fire Ferrets team and this and that.
0: Uh, I have a couple bits of trivia for Mako. I don't know if if you have these same bits. oh, uh, let's hear
1: it. Go for um, it. Um
0: Mako, if you couldn't have guessed, is named after the original voice actor of Iroh.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so nice. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. I never could. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to butcher it. But when I, he always just goes by Mako anyways when he's credited. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave it at that. Um, the other thing, I, I went on the um, Avatar Wiki and I didn't go too far into Mako because I didn't want any spoilers. But So I'm just going to read the first two because they're not spoilers at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, this is actually the third one. And then we'll go back to the second one because I just read it It's really funny. Mako's okay. distinctive eyebrows are based off of Roger Smith's, which who is the main protagonist of the anime series, The Big O. And Roger Smith is voiced by Steve Bloom, who is the voice of Who the, is it? Everyone's favorite masked villain for this season.
1: Oh, Amon?
0: Yep. Amon does the voice of Amon, who's Steve Bloom, who we talked about last week. And he um, voiced Roger Smith, who Mako's eyebrows are based off of. That's fun. <laughs> uh, the second point, this is really funny, especially after our discussion. The creators commented that Mako reminded them of Zuko, but without the angst.
1: Okay, so it was either subconscious or intentional. Yeah. Either one.
0: I, I think what they're tr- maybe trying to do, subconsciously or not, is have the original team avatar there in spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have the bending prince quote unquote he's like the prince of the arena let's Mm -hmm. say
1: broody angsty boy
0: broody angsty he's not as angsty as zuko he's not he's had a hard life but not as hard as zuko at least as far Mm -hmm. as we know so far all we really know is him and his brother he has his brother first of all his brother is not a psychopath second of all and as far as we know they're homeless and that's which is a rather large hurdle but it's not your father tried to kill you and banished you and now you are trying to prove your self-worth with your drunk uncle. It's different. It's different. <laughs>
1: it's a little different. It's a
0: little different. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what I have on Mako. I thought that was some interesting stuff. And we'll th- really? we'll have more as we go through, but I don't yes. want to spoil anything.
1: Yes. Um, I have one fun fact about Bolin. Oh yeah. And that is it for me. Um, so apparently Uh, Joaquin included a couple nods to Hulk Hogan (laughs) in Bolin's posing, (laughs) trying to like catch the arena's attention and their applause.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The posing while entering the wrestling ring. So that was intentional.
0: All right. Well, since that's the end of the episode, we get to do our fun little last two bits. Acorn, what is your moral of the episode?
1: Oh, boy. My moral of the episode, I feel like we've kind of touched on this one before in ATLA, but it is, if you want to grow, don't be afraid to fail because growth comes out of failure.
0: I'm going to say, if you're aggravated, maybe don't burn down a 2,000-year-old national treasure.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: what I'm going to say. Uh, Who is your MVP?
1: Um, I had to give it to Tenzin yeah. for holding on to his patience in the mm-hmm. face of Cora's attitude flagrant disobedience in his family's chaotic energy. This man, he has the chops to not like combust, self-combust.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would agree. Uh-huh. Uh, I yours. would, I would give it to Bolin yeah. for accidentally setting Cora on her path. Essentially. I mean,
1: actually, yeah. If you didn't save her um, in the weight room with Toza, mm-hmm. She may not have been in a position to join the Fire Ferrets because she yeah. wouldn't have been introduced to them,
0: and then she would not have learned airbending, or at least gotten like her her footing on for uh-huh. airbending. So I yep. think it's Bolin. I also very much enjoy Bolin, although he does feel kind of like like a knockoff Sokka right now.
1: Yes, he does.
0: Uh Which I I'm not super into. Yeah, he was very important in this episode. So all right, that is. That's everything for this episode. Everyone, thank you so much for leaving those five-star written reviews. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons. We super appreciate each and every one of you. It means a lot that you stick with us, that you um, support the show in all of the ways that you do. And thank you to everyone um, over on Spotify who's been so generously just leaving comments on our Q&A, answering the polls. Uh, Expect more of those in the future as we play around and kind of see what works for us, what doesn't. And uh, Acorn, where can people find you? Well,
1: now they can find me at twitch.tv slash Acorn where I have taken up streaming again. Yes. uh, After like six years. It's been really fun though. Uh, We've been drawing and I'm basically treating this uh, return to streaming as uh, a chance to explore things that I am coming back to. So that includes drawing. It's also including role play. Um, so you can find me there. I don't have a schedule though. So I'm not going to have a nifty little schedule bit like Greg does. Sorry, you uh, this,
0: you <laughs> just, you just literally hit the bell when you hit basi- follow yes, and basically. you get an alert on your phone immediately. It's basically. wonderful. That's what you I've do. already
1: had someone come over, uh, from the podcast. So it's been great. Yeah. Um, I will warn you, I do swear we don't swear on the oh. podcast, but I do swear when I'm on my stream. So just fair warning, I've, if you don't like swear
0: words, I, I swear also, and I don't give that warning on the podcast when I shut up my channel. And many a time, I feel people are like, "Hey, I'm from the show," and I'm just like, <laughs> and like, and they just like homer simpson into the bushes and i never see <laughs> them again Everyone, it's not that bad i, I feel like it's, it's not I'm, I'm exaggerating but they uh-huh. there we swear we en- we enjoy our uh sentence enhancers as spongebob yes. puts it
1: sentence enhancers That's sentence that's what we enhancers yes. that's what we like nice that's what we
0: goodness.
1: enjoy anyway where can they find you greg they
0: can find me over twitch.tv slash booster egg on monday and friday evenings at 8 p.m eastern standard time unless i'm running late because we're recording the podcast which is right now yelp Mm -hmm. Uh, it's fine it'll be fine it'll be all fine never on Wednesdays don't worry about Wednesdays we don't record on we don't we don't stream on Wednesdays Uh, (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: right now we're if you're listening to this episode uh, when it comes out we're playing Okami right now which is a very chill very relaxing very um, mythological let's say game about a wolf god which I'm enjoying it's a very relaxing time, which is not great for my stream time, which goes till midnight sometimes. And I am falling asleep. I will say this, though. Friday, first stream for it. I have never slept that good in wow. recent memory. I was out like a light. It was great. Yeah, you can also find me anywhere on the Internet. TikTok, Twitter, all of that good stuff. If you are listening to this on podcast form, follow YouTube.com slash Average cup Podcast, please. And you'll get your episode a week early with video, with edits, with screenshots from the show. So the whole deal. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube and you're going on a road trip, hey, guess what? You can follow the podcast and then you can listen to it while you're on the road. All your favorite moments coming up next time.
1: Bolin's side gig.
0: That's right. We'll see you next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. Podcast.
1: Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts
0: at thegeekgeneration.com.